Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome everyone to our March Madness series. For the next five days, we are interviewing everyday runners who set big goals, put in the work, and change their lives by overcoming the impossible. Not only are their stories inspiring, but you are going to learn something from each and every one of them. We can't wait for you to hear this, and we have a big goal this week that we want you to be a part of. We've set the goal of being the number one streamed running podcast in the world this week. So please share these episodes with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever it may be, so we can celebrate together the growth of this beautiful running community. So friends, let's jump in. Guys, it's part four already. We hope you've enjoyed our previous three guests, and we know you'll love the last two. Today's guest is Jeremy Rivera, who went from couch to a really super fast runner. In this episode, Jeremy talks about how a bad fast food diet led to weight gain and constant injuries. This was really such a wake-up call because we too have noticed when we eat poorly, our recovery is worse, and we tend to get injured. Jeremy was able to hone in her diet and simultaneously improve her time all while losing 50 pounds, yes, 50 pounds, over a two-year period. And now she runs a half marathon at less than a six-minute, 30-second pace, and she's qualified for Boston. Mic drop. So settle in and let's get to it. Here's Jeremy. All right. Well, welcome, Jeremy, to the show, Marathon Training for Beginners. Can you share a little bit about you and, and how you got into running? Yeah. So I got into running um, in college. At the time, uh, I was pretty lonely because I was um, in basically my degree is one of the most popular degrees in my university, psychology, and my classes had 200 students in them. And even the smaller classes had like 50 to 70 students. So 
Uh, every face that I saw every day was new, completely different. And I didn't really have the opportunity to make any friends. And I'm a pretty social person. So that uh, really hurt me. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and so, yeah, at the time, you know, uh, feeling lonely, going home, having nothing to do, I started to resort um, to uh bad habits with my eating, bad habits with my drinking. And I would constantly try to correct that. And then I would fail. And that would lead to some epic binge. And that process kind of repeated itself uh, over and over again, until actually, it went on for a really long time. But um, yeah, I found uh, running at the time, one day when I was um, I kind of got inspired to start running when I was at home watching TV. Uh, I saw a true life episode of a girl who ran on a Tough Mudder and she had never really been athletic ever in her entire life. And people that were in her immediate life kind of like doubted her ability to be able to run it. But with some training, she did it. And like that totally inspired me to uh, take a crack at it. Yeah. I'm sure there's people listening to this who will be like, okay. Just like your true life episode, this is the episode that inspires me to get out there. <laughs> so, so you were just to kind of backtrack a little bit. So you were in college and you were eating a lot, drinking a lot, and uh, at that point, I think you'd probably put on some weight. Or mm -hmm. did you always kind of have some excess weight you were trying to lose? Um, I kind of yo-yoed throughout my life, but I had found some stability through my teenage years, and then. Um, kind of into early adulthood. And then it started to slowly pile on. And then before I knew it, I was not who I thought I was. Sure. Like I had low energy, I was depressed. My life was not in a line with, you know, who I once saw myself as. Sure. And so then you found the community through running and, and kind of how did that develop? Did you go join like a running club? Did you run for your school or did you run just casually with some friends or how did you go about doing that? So um, after I did my first race, I started to kind of, cause I went, I showed up to the race and I knew no one. Um, sure. <laughs> and that was super awkward. So I was like, okay, I need to find a community. And, um, I was able to find one. It's called Track Shack. It's our local running store. They throw a midweek run every Wednesday. And I started going to that. And the first time I went, everyone was super friendly. Um, I'd kind of like express some of my goals to them, to some of the runners, like saying like, yeah, you know, I'm here because I think, you know, I want to train for a marathon, but I don't know if I can do it. And everyone there was like, no, you absolutely can. Why wouldn't you be able to? And that kind of yeah. like inspired me to keep coming and keep showing up. Cause I feel like, you know, they saw something in me that I didn't quite see in myself. Right. Hey guys, I wanted to pause the interview real quick for a message about today's sponsor. Have you heard of Thousand Fell Shoes? If you haven't, now is the time. Drop everything you're doing, go to thousandfell.com. Look, we as runners spent a lot of money on running shoes. And one beginner mistake that Mo and I made repeatedly was wearing our running shoes out on the town. But you guys, this is going to wear them out prematurely. 
So instead, get yourself a pair of Thousandfell shoes that you can wear and pair with any outfit or any style when you're not running. These are the world's first 100% recyclable circular shoes, which means they're guaranteed not to end up in the landfill. But the best part is that they look amazing. Don't take it from me, Vogue thinks so too. They drop new colors every season, so be sure to check out what's in store for spring at thousandfell.com. And new customers get 10% off. And please, you guys, if you could mention our name when you get your post-purchase survey and let them know that we sent you. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the interview. What was that first race that you did that you showed up and you didn't know anybody? Uh, that was a savage race. It's a obstacle course mud run. Gotcha. And that's that's probably pretty intense, right? Because you've got like different things you have to climb and it's not right. just road racing. Yeah, it was so scary. <laughs> that's kind of why I picked it too. It's because like it had all these really terrifying obstacles in it. And I kind of wanted to like go for something um, that, I don't know, really challenged me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you jumped right in and then you realized, all right, I need a, I need a running community. And what state are you in? Florida. Florida. Okay. And so I'm sure it's pretty hot and humid out there. Not really a a state that I think people um, picture a lot of runners in, but I I assume it's a pretty good running community, right? Oh yeah. We, and it's growing too. Um, But kind of like the area that I live in is a little running town. And if you walk out the door in the morning, you'll usually find lots of runners out on the road. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I, I um, also, you know, I live in Arizona, so it's very hot here. And growing up, I didn't really run at all. And I'm kind of similar to you. I started running in my adult years. But yeah, more and more, I see I see people out running. And maybe it's just, the, you know, like when you buy a car, and then you start to see that right. same car all over the place. Maybe that's just the, the case where now you start to notice a lot more runners, because you're now in the sport. But who knows, I, I think it is something that's uh, more popular, especially with COVID and people being kind of locked down and not able to go out to certain gyms or do certain yeah. activities. You know, I think running's become a big part of American culture. So, um, so I want to talk about your development as a, as a runner. So you started off and, you know, I love your Instagram, LOL space monkey. Did I say that? Yeah. Right? yeah. Okay. That's awesome. But on your Instagram, it says that you went from 50 pounds overweight to a pretty fast runner. So can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about that process of losing the weight and then becoming a fast runner? Like how did that click? How did you take it from just being a, a pretty casual everyday runner to someone who's achieving really amazing times? Yeah. So um, when I first got into running, I was kind of trying to get out of that mindset um, that I had prior to being physical where like I feared carbs and I feared fruit because I thought I had too much sugar. And I kind of started changing into like, how can I eat to strengthen my body? But there was a lot of ups and downs throughout that process. Um, And obviously I would like relapse and scale back into eating junk food and believing that, uh, you know, if I was running so many miles, then I could eat cheeseburgers and have beers after runs. So that ultimately kept leading to injuries, um, stress fractures or reactions because I couldn't, um, I don't have the money to get an MRI every single time this was happening because it would happen on a yearly basis because I would, I'm like, go big or go home. Uh, I wanted to train for a marathon in my, within my first year of running and 
I was able to do that, but leading up to it, I was having some calf pain. And then that eventually turned into like, I couldn't even wear my backpack at school without, you know, having significant pain in that one spot of my bone. And that's kind of how I figured that out. But every year I would have an injury and I would have to go back and reframe, okay, what can I do to avoid this next time? Because, you know, now that I was in this running community, I'd see all my other friends just continue to take off running without me long after the race. And, you know, I was held back and that wasn't fun. I could totally relate to that. I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I feel that same way all the time. And I know there's so many runners out there that do like you get these nagging injuries and you're like, what the heck? Why am I getting this? Nobody else is getting these injuries. Am I pushing myself too hard? So do you feel like you got the injuries because you were using running as a means to eat whatever you wanted to. And so therefore you were just running too much too often, or was the the bad diet not enabling your muscles to recover or your, your joints and your body to recover to the point where then you were getting injured? Yeah, it was definitely that the bad diet was not, um, was not helping me out. Like I've never really thought up until Kind of like recently, I started to get into the mindset of like, I need to run X many miles, uh, which is not good. But um, back then, no, I was just running kind of like for fun and just training for the race. Um, And then the injury would come. And then I'd look back and be like, ooh, yeah, well, I wasn't really eating well. And I kind of, uh, I figured that out also by going to a nutritionist. And she was like, have you ever maybe thought about your diet being related as to why this is happening to you repeatedly? Interesting. And that's something that I had never really considered before until recently. And I've been hearing that more and more um, to the point where I just recently had an injury that I'm getting over right now. And it's the holidays. I've been really easing up on my diet, eating a bunch of junk like mm-hmm. excessively. And, you know, maybe there's a correlation there. So I'm glad you brought that up. So you, um, you're able to kind of put that together. All right. If I start eating better, I'm going to be able to avoid injury. Thus I'll be able to sustain my, my runs for longer. And, um, yeah. yeah. So how did that go? So I saw a sports nutritionist and basically we kind of started thinking about, um, my eating in terms of like, how can we, do this not only to fend off injury, but improve recovery. And then therefore, if I could recover quicker, then I could bounce to another race or I could pick uh, more aggressive goals in the future, basically up the ante more if I was eating better. So we started using food to get stronger. And over time, I didn't know what was happening. Like I thought maybe I had cancer or something because my clothes weren't fitting. And (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. My body started changing and I was like, what's happening? I just didn't even think that it was weight loss um, until I jumped on the scale and I was like, oh my God, I lost like 10 pounds. And then I started thinking like, okay, well maybe it is my food because I just thought for the longest time that my body is what it is. It's not going to change, you know, but so I didn't even think that it was my diet, but then I kind of started realizing like, okay, I'm eating more whole foods, more not processed foods, and I'm training more aggressively as a result. And this is resulting in weight loss. I can change my body. 
Yeah. And so many people think, oh, I'm just big boned or I'm just, this is my Mm -hmm. body type. And I think there is some of that, you know, we all have different body types. Some of us are shorter, some of us are taller, et cetera. But I think, um, I think, yeah, we we can all surprise ourselves. So, so here's my question about, about that then. So were you counting calories and actively trying to lose the weight or were you just incorporating a better diet and, and then naturally you were just losing all this weight? So we did, um, track calories, but it wasn't to reduce them. It was actually to make sure that I was eating more food. Um, we use my fitness pal, which isn't, you know, it's not accurate, but it was kind of a way for me to track, to look at, um, on a nutrient level what I'm eating. And I was able to see like, Oh, you know, I eat a lot of protein, but I don't really get a lot of iron or I don't really get a lot of, you know, some other thing like vitamin C. So how can we, how can she would encourage me to go research foods so that way I could find ways that I enjoyed to add them into my diet. Gotcha. And that's probably interesting for a lot of people that you were eating more yet losing weight, but it was the right food. So can you give me an example or some examples of some of the foods you were eating before, like maybe a day in the life. And then when you made the change a day in the life and how those two compare. Yeah. So, okay. Beforehand, my go-to was Dunkin' Donuts in the morning for breakfast. I love the bacon, egg and cheese wrap. Um, and I love coffee. So it was either coffee from Starbucks or coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. Um, and it was like a very sugary coffee. I would never hold back on the sugar. I was going to say, is, is this like a, like just a cup of coffee or are we talking like one with all the creams and all the fancy yeah, stuff? Yeah, the, the frappuccino type of coffees. Gotcha. Like 500 calories. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 55 grams of sugar. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. Um, for lunch, um, like just eating at school, I'd have Subway. Um, they had Chick-fil-A over there. So I'd grab that. And then dinner was sometimes at home or sometimes eating out, but I was eating out pretty aggressively. And at the time I didn't realize that like, I'm not, I'm still kind of dumbfounded at how I could eat so badly and not be aware of it at the time. (laughs) So are we talking like burger and fries every night or like big pastas, that kind of stuff? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then I'm sure there was sprinkled in there like a bunch of like junk snacks. snacks and yeah. Stuff. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Doritos from the, the vending machine. Um, yeah. I did not like healthy foods at the time. It took me a while to kind of like change my palate so that way I could um, actually start to enjoy them. So yeah. So now what does it look like? Um, so in the morning, I will cook up eggs, either fry them with like butter, um, or have some like yogurt, toast, some fruit. And then for lunch, pretty boring, like tuna sandwich or chicken sandwich or some kind of crock pot meal that I'm also going to be having for dinner. Um, but actually enjoy it, but it does sound kind of boring when I say it out loud. Like it sounds (laughs) like I'm having the same meal over and over again. I kind of do, but I do find different ways to kind of prepare it and make it interesting. So that way it's not so monotonous. Yeah. But I think the key is that you're making it yourself, right? You're not going out and 
not that eating right. out is necessarily bad, but I think when we do it every day, there because there's a lot yes. of added like butters and fats and things that they add just to make it taste good to keep you coming yeah. back, and a lot of artificial stuff too, right? That our body probably can't break down. Right, and I totally do um, still incorporate eating out just you know, like we were talking about in moderation, like I have, I dedicate either Saturday or Sunday and I get uh, dinner at this place where I get burgers and fries and wings and I yeah. get drinks. And then that's that one meal, but that's sure. the one where I just like, let it go, get to enjoy <laughs> it and then <laughs> go back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. But you're not depriving yourself and you're at least giving yourself that. And it yeah. sounds like you're not depriving yourself during the week either. I mean, you're, you're eating a, a big hearty breakfast and, and a good lunch and a good dinner. So it's not like you're, you know, cutting a thousand calories per day and eating yeah, like absolutely not. <laughs> calorie chip packets, you know, which don't do anything right. for anyone. And so that's awesome. I, I love hearing that because I think it's so relatable. I think so many people, um, especially setting goals, um, they're in this phase of, of depriving themselves. And mm -hmm. I think when you set something that's sustainable, I know for me, that's what made all the difference. I, I've lost a, a little bit of weight too, but my first year of running, I, I was literally putting weight on. And I think it's the same type of thing. I, I was running to eat um, mm -hmm. rather than, you know, eating to, to fuel my runs. And so, so now, okay. So you, you started losing weight as you lost let's just say 10 pounds, did you automatically notice that your running times were improving or did it take you to lose a ton of weight dramatically to then start seeing improvements in your time? No, it came pretty quickly. Like, I mean, it did take about two years. Now I'm kind of going on to my third year, which I've not really lost much weight between last year and this year, but, um, slowly over time. Yeah. It's, I started getting faster and, I'm not sure if it probably is the weight loss, but I wasn't sure if it was also because I was eating better and able to, like I was saying earlier, go for more aggressive workouts um, and recover better so I could run longer, that type of thing. Yeah. So then what were some of the workouts and things that you started to incorporate to start to see improvements? Like at first, for the first couple of years, were you focusing on speed at all or were you just focusing on like getting up to that marathon distance and kind of just getting in the miles? Yeah. The first couple of years were just getting in the miles, running with friends, which I still do. Um, but it was a lot more for fun. And it sounds kind of weird because I'm still doing the speed work for fun, but, um, you know, kind of like walk, run, uh, three times a week, that type of thing. And now, um, I run every day, um, but that's just kind of like because I'm streaking and not because that's part of the training because my coach hates that. Yeah. But um, some, <laughs> some of the uh, workouts that I do, like that really made a difference was uh, track workouts. And I know like if you're a new runner, you definitely don't want to jump into doing track workouts. But one fun way that you can kind of incorporate some speed that I did prior to doing the track workout to prepare my body was to add in like little intervals, like 15 to 30 seconds where you just start like sprinting mid run. And you only do that three times in the run, maybe two days out of the week. And that's it. Gotcha. But that made a huge difference. And then when I jumped into track work, it started like 
really the, the, the speed really started increasing pretty quickly. So can you give us some examples of some of the track work that you did that really paid big dividends? Yeah, um, 400s, uh, which just means like a quarter mile, uh, doing that like maybe eight times with like one minute, 30 second rest in between every lap, um, doing 800 meter repeats, which are half mile, um, doing tempo runs. If you're not familiar with what that is, that's kind of like doing a pace that's close to your race pace, but a little bit slower and for a shorter distance. Sure. So those really, um, those three, like the sprinting type of workouts and the tempo workouts really helped. And then on Saturdays, um, I'll start my long run slow and progress over the course of the run, which some people say don't do that every weekend, but I've been doing that every weekend for a while (laughs) and it hasn't working for you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I love it. What distance long run are we talking about? Uh, well, right now it, it changes throughout the year, like in the uh, spring and like January through um, spring. Usually that's about like 10 to 15 miles. Um, but then in the summers, uh, like late summer, that can go up to like 20 miles. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so did you get all of these workout ideas from a book, from a coach, or did you just Google it? Um, I started Googling them at first, but that wasn't very good because I didn't understand any of the lingo. So, um, that, um, Wednesday run group that I did, basically that shoe store, they have this whole community built here in Orlando and they have this training program called five and dime where basically you can get put into different speed groups. They have three different levels um, and they have a coach for each one and they structure your workouts for Tuesdays and Thursdays. And that's like the infamous track Tuesday, track Thursday uh, post that I always make. That's where that comes from. But yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and so I think if anyone's looking for ideas, either they could go the coach route or they could join a running community that has something like this built in. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important to, to incorporate speed work, but also, like you said, not prematurely, if you're a brand new runner, you know, maybe just get in the miles and, and get comfortable with maris- marathon distance and, and be doing it for a while before you start working this in. Because if you're doing a lot of speed work and go into mileage that you've never done before, I think it's just a recipe for disaster in, in the form yeah. of uh, injuries. Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> That's the perfect recipe. If you wanted to create an injury, <laughs> that's what uh, yeah. you would do. So now I, and I wanted to kind of save this for the end because I wanted everyone to hear how impressive your results are. So can you give us like, a a, a half marathon time when you first started running to what it is now, and then maybe even marathon distance, what it was to what it is now. And then maybe even some of the shorter races. I'm just, I'm curious to hear what kind of improvements you've made over the last five years. Yeah. So my first half marathon was three hours and 25 minutes and they had like shut down the entire race and folded up all the tables and everything on me as I came hobbling in. And (laughs) 
now I recently ran a 124.42 at OUC. That's incredible. What's the mileage breakdown? What's the average um, minute breakdown? Um, 627. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I think the 325 was like a 15 minute mile. So yeah, huge improvement. Um, and then my marathon time, I ran, oh my gosh, in 2019 before the world imploded, uh, 3.25 at Boston Qualified. And it was nice. my first time like actually trying to do it. Sure. So I was so impressed because I've heard stories of people who try to do that for years or their entire life. Um, so I don't know. I was just so happy. Yeah, um, that's incredible. You're way faster than me, by the way. Well, I listen to some of your podcasts and some of what you're doing. So I don't know. Just keep doing what you're doing and you'll be there. You'll probably pass me. Well, who knows? 3.30 is my next marathon goal. Oh, great. So you're you're way ahead of me. But um, okay. And then what about like shorter distances? Do you ever do those like a 10K, 5K? Or do you just focus on half and full marathons? I I would love to just focus on halves and fulls, but um, I do do 5Ks and 10Ks. They're not really my favorite, but um, I'm kind of starting to like them now. But my unofficial 5K PR from September, I did it on a track um, with my speed group, is uh, 1907. And I have a 5K coming up in two weeks, and I'm hoping I can hit like 1830. Yeah, which would be, what are we talking like what 557, wow. I think. Yeah, that's amazing. 558, something like that. Um, I'm really hoping I can get that. But if I don't get it on this one, I'm definitely going to get it before the season ends. That's super <laughs> um, cool. And then my 10K is a, I think officially it's a 40-42, but that was not a good race. It's um, like my shoe came off and... Uh, it's just very demoralizing. I got beat by a 10 year old and <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds good to me, 40, 40, 42, but no. So I think it's safe to say that you've in the last five years improved dramatically. And is it also safe to say that you're not like a, you wouldn't consider yourself like a natural, naturally talented runner, or would you say you are? Yeah, definitely not naturally talented. I have never been athletic, uh, like in my life growing up. And, you know, it's interesting that you ask that because some people will tell me, you know, Jeremy, not everyone has this uh, ability that you have. And I just don't agree with that. I think that everyone has the ability to do what I did because I'm not particularly special. You just have to find, you know, what works for you and what lights you up. And, um, if you can stay motivated to keep at it and, uh, always find a way to improve, then you can definitely, uh, bring yourself to this level. You don't have to be genetically gifted. No, and I, I think that's so important for everyone to recognize that, you know, wherever you're at is totally acceptable, you know, because that means that's the best you can do. Right. And mm-hmm. at, at this point in time, and that's enough, but it's also acceptable, in fact, encouraged to push yourself, go a little bit further, go a little bit faster. And uh, I think we'll all surprise ourselves with what we can, what we can do. So I appreciate you taking the time. I, 
I um I want to give the listeners a chance to find you on on social media. Um, so on Instagram, we've already kind of mentioned this earlier, but um, it's LOL Space Monkey. Is that right? Yes. Okay, and you have to tell me where that name came from. Um. Well, uh, me and my friend like we just call each other Monkey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like variations of Monkey. Yeah. And uh, I used to have like purple blue hair and he used to call me space monkey and he's the nice. guy who convinced me to get an Instagram. So I was like, okay, well I'll just make a space monkey. And someone took that. So I had to put LOL in front of it. <laughs> nice. I love it. Yeah. That's perfect. And it's unforgettable too. Nobody will ever be able to forget that. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, is there any other channel that you'd want people to find you or is Instagram pretty much it? No, that's pretty much it. I need to get on the TikTok game. I'm a lurker on TikTok. I just don't create content. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? That's totally fine. Um, well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time and for inspiring listeners. And I hope you have an awesome week and uh, keep running. Uh, keep in touch. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Follow us on Instagram at Crummy Marathoners. We'd love to hear your feedback and take any questions you might have. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes come out. And please leave us a five-star review so more people can join this funny journey with us. Our theme song is Change the World by Breck. You can find his music on Spotify. Search his name under B-R-E-K-K.